bullets, and I apologize. Psalm 42.1 and Psalm 63.1. We're going to look at these two uh, verses, and we're going to continue this discussion on water and uh, the principles and practices and ideas surrounding water today. In Psalm 42, verse 1, and Psalm 63, verse 1, give you a moment uh, to get to these two passages of Scripture. Just hold your finger uh, in Psalm 63 as we read Psalm 42. Psalm 42, 1, As the heart, or the deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalm 63, 1, Truly my soul waiteth upon God from him, oh, excuse me, verse 63, 1, not 62, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Lessons from the water's edge. And we began to talk about this very idea of dryness of soul, wherein we are, we're thirsty. There's got to be more inside. Where, why am I so hungry? Why is there such an emptiness? Why do I feel like I could do more, but I'm just struggling internally? How do I make the next steps? And as I've kind of been doing this series on biblical foundations, looking at the account in the Garden of Eden, a tremendous amount of truths have come out. And Lord willing, next week, I'll talk about shame, which Adam and Eve had. And uh, the Lord continues to lead that direction. But as we think about this, that Israel would cross the Red Sea, that God is an almighty God that can part the Red Sea. He can have Israel. In Isaiah 51.10, Art not thou it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over? I mean, our God has the power to take a sea and make it uh, a dry ground. Essentially, he makes it an aquarium with no glass. Can you imagine seeing the walls of water heap up? I mean, we think about, oftentimes in our lives, this trial, God does not care for me in this struggle. God doesn't care for me here. He's not answering my prayer. But God is calling us to a faith in Him. He's calling us to a thirst for Him. In Psalm 63, 1, My flesh longeth for thee. Have you ever had a time in your life where you've, maybe you've been away from God for a while and you said, I just got to get back. I just want some truth. I'm hungry for truth. God, I want you. And we just feel empty. And we understand that our nourishment, that God create, God is the source of water who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the field. I mean, God determines humanity's food supply. He controls the rains. We talked about that last week. When there's judgment, God can withhold the rain. There's two types of water. There's clean water and polluted water. Job 15, 16 how much more abominable and filthy is man which drink of iniquity like water. So oftentimes we're drinking muddy water. But we have to understand, as you and I do, in the thirst of my soul, that the source of living water, as Jesus said in John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know when we come to the end of the Bible? In Revelation 22, from the very throne of God are fountains of living water. 
Water in the Bible is compared in Psalm 42.1 with the deer as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Our yearning for the most essential element. Have you ever been thirsty? I mean, physically thirsty. You've worked hard. Maybe, I remember one time I biked from Seattle to Spokane and I ran out of water and I had a lunch. And I've mentioned this before. I had one of those dehydrated lunches. You just add water and you take, I took my little camping stove, my little pocket rocket, and I lit that up on the side of the road, and I, I stirred it up with my little spork, and, and I ate it, and, and then later on I looked at the sodium content only to realize it was 4,200 milligrams of sodium. I was thirsty, and then I ran out of water, and I was biking, and I was out in the middle of cornfields in the middle of nowhere, and I was thirsty. You know what, it, you know the only thing I can think of with every stroke of that bike as I'm pedaling I can't wait to get a drink of water. I want you to look with me at Acts 17, 28 as I'm continuing this. This is just a little bit of review from last week. You know what we ought to thirst for as believers? We need to thirst for God. As you would thirst for water, you need to thirst for God. Acts 17, 28. Lessons from the water's edge. The truths where water is mentioned in the Bible teaches us much. Acts 17, 28, For in him we live and move and have our beings. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. What does God say? We, we live, we move, and I have my life in God. You know what the absolute opposite of God is? The living waters that he gives? Hell. Hell is absolute dehydration. Not one drop of water. You find the rich man in Luke 16. He said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Absolute dehydration forever. At the throne room of God, the very throne of God in Revelation 22, streams of water flowing from the very throne of God. And yet in hell, not one drop. You know what? Water is a place of retreat in times of distress. I spoke about that, that many times when we go on holidays, where do we want to go? I want to go to the ocean side. I want to go to a lake side. I want lakefront property. I want, you know, many times where we go, we want water. There's something about sitting on the edge of the beach, whether it's the ocean, and it is so refreshing. And my friend, just as Jesus would bid Peter to come on the water to him, God's calling us to come unto the living waters. As we look at this theme of waters in the scriptures, my friend, we've got a thirst for God. As you would thirst in a place, a dry land. Because there is dryness of life apart from Jesus Christ. And we are seeing a world that is dry looking for refreshment only to get polluted water. But Jesus is a living water. He's a refreshing water. He's a soul, he's a peace-filling water. We must fear the power of water, but we must run to the streams of living water. Water is powerful. I mean, I have water here in a bottle, it's good. 
But if I open this water up and pour it on the ground, I mean, it'll dry up. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, this is old carpet. So, But if you have a drip in your toilet on the floor, that's not a good thing. If you have a drip in a place you don't want it, that's not a good thing, right? <laughs> it's not a good thing. But God's living water, it comes and it does a refreshment in my soul that nothing else compares. And my friend, when we learn the lesson of the very truth of Psalm 63.1 and Psalm 42.1, as the heart panted after water brook, so my soul panted after thee, oh my God, oh God. We've got to learn how to thirst and be refreshed by God. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time and I'll continue this study. There's several other things that are prominent that we'll learn on water this morning. Themes and ideas that come out as we look at water in the scriptures. It's kind of an awkward idea, but the Lord just brought it on my heart and been studying it and it was so refreshing and I trust it will be to you as well by God's grace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just yield and commit this time to thee. Father, I ask that as the words are spoken from your holy word, that they would refresh the heart and the mind. That, Lord, rather than seeking this life for money and wealth and happiness and other places, that, Lord, we would find it first and exclusively in thee. God, I pray that we would thirst. Lord, we'd understand the dryness of our souls as when we are absent from being refreshed from you. Lord, I yield today to thee. I commit it to you. God, you work. You speak through me. God, forbid me from speaking anything I ought not to. And should there be someone watching today that is not certain of their salvation, they don't know. If they were to pass and breathe their last breath where they're going, they hope, but they don't know. I pray they'd settle that today. Father, I love you and I thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Here's several other things as you think about water, the prominence of water in the scriptures. First of all, now, is water a good resource for building a house from? I'm not talking an igloo. I'm saying liquid water. Would it be a good thing to build water from? No, right? And you know what? In the Bible, Reuben, who was Jacob's son, it says, Reuben, Genesis 49, 4, Unstable as water thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch, and Reuben would end up sleeping uh, with his father's wife. And he slept with his dad's concubine. He said, Reuben, you're a watery guy. You're a weak guy. I mean, you're, you're about as stable as water. I mean, you talk about an insult. That's an insult. And... Uh, in Ezekiel 7, 17, all hands shall be feeble and all knees shall be weak as water. You know, when there's things that are fearful in our lives, I mean, many times we just like, we're like a puddle of water. We just fall away because we have no strength in ourselves. We don't have any refreshment. You know, if you're thirsty and you're, I mean, you're just absolutely, uh, you know, parched. I mean, just the thirstiest thirsty you've ever been. You know what, as you're moving along, you're shaking and your body's just, and maybe it's starting to lock up because of the lack of water and your bones are aching. And, you know, the more and more you get dehydrated, your body hurts and your mind gets foggy. And, you know, you're just weak. 
But if you don't have that living water, Reuben was living for himself, he had no strength. You think about as a, the Roman Empire is concer, uh, considered in Daniel chapter 2 as iron. That's pretty strong. You want to know something else about water? As I was talking about, when we go on holidays, many times we go around the lake, or I want to go fishing, or ice fishing, or I want to do this with or around or involving water. But you know what? That water is a commodity of commerce and location, and for many, it determines where we live. I told the Lord, I, I said, God, I'd sure like it the next place you move me, which was here. I said, God, I'd sure like it if the place I moved to would have water. I was, li- I was originally living in New Mexico, and uh, they had a lot of riverbeds and a lot of places that supposedly had water. All it was is a des- dust bed. I mean, there was no water. I mean, to see rain and to see a river and a, you know, we had a, a, a torrential downpour when I lived in New Mexico. It was the first time that river had ran in 42 years. And I mean, there was like, the whole city was at that bridge watching that water flow. <sighs> I mean, it was amazing to watch a river flow. And yet we have water so abundant up here, and we're like, oh yeah, whatever, the river. But we build our lives around, I mean, Assyria, in Ezekiel 31, the waters made him great. Ezekiel became a thriving metropolis because of the waters. Caleb was faithfully rewarded when he got into the promised land. His daughter says, Daddy, can I have some springs of water? She says, he said, what else can I give to you? She said, Daddy, I want some water. Joshua 15. But for Lot, Abraham's nephew, when you think about water sometimes, we let water, not God, be our determination for where we live. Just because that's a place of commerce, just because that's a place I make money, if you think about this, Lot, Abraham's nephew, he chose the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah because they were well watered. Genesis 13. Where did that lead him? You know, we can let physical water be our refreshment physically, but we don't let God be the leader in our life to get that refreshment. We don't let God be the one to say, hey, I'm going to lead you to the streams of living water. I'm going to refresh you, as he tells that Samaritan woman. But he says, and then he tells her, go and sin no more. This idea, and, and she puts her faith in Jesus. But this thing is, we let We let physical water, we let commerce and locations of things lead us and direct us and be our philosophy for how I live my life rather than staying near the waters to get the refreshment from God and going where God's water leads me. God's will, if you, that's God's will. We understand from the scripture in Psalm 23, 2, in the great psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And then it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. What does that mean? What does that mean, he leadeth me beside the still waters? God will always strengthen and encourage and help you where he leads you. Whether he leads you to a place that physically has water. I was there in New Mexico for a period of time. Uh, and I didn't like not having water. I grew up on the West Coast, and so I enjoyed water. So, I mean, it was a difference, but I had God's hand there. But God will lead us as a good shepherd to the place where I can be refreshed, 
whether that is a place that necessarily has water or not. He is the guide and leader to the refreshment I need. You think about, for the Egyptians, God, through Moses, disrupted. He says, hey, your gods are powerless. I'm going to turn your Nile River, the source of your commerce, the source of all your refreshment, I'm going to turn it into blood. I'm going to show you how powerful I am. You want to know another situation? The Assyrians in 2 Kings chapter 18, they, they surround Hezekiah and they say, Hezekiah, we're coming for you. We're going to destroy you. And uh, they said, don't trust Hezekiah the king. I mean, they, they tell Israel, don't trust Hezekiah. Don't, he's Judah. Don't listen to him. Because we'll give you water. We will give you the material wealth. We'll give you riches, retirement. You know, that's what the world offers us. But you want to know something? If you read on in that 2 Kings 18 passage of Scripture, understanding that God would take Sennacherib and he would show him who was mighty. And Hezekiah would be able to continue to refresh God's people. That's a shepherd that gives water. You might have some trials in your life. And you might be thinking, man, I'm struggling. I want to ask you, are you getting those refreshing waters? How close to God are you thirsting? Are you letting commerce and business and money and profits and all of these things be your determination for where you're moving in life? Look with me at Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 13. In verse 13 of Jeremiah 10, when he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. I want to make this clear. You can't keep back what God controls. God controls the weather. Even if Sennacherib said, Hezekiah, I'm holding back all the water coming into your city. I'm going to starve you out. I'm going to make you thirsty. You know what? God could have opened up a well of water. I mean, God can break open a rock in the middle of the wilderness and provide a large sum of people with water. Don't you think God can do that in our lives? Don't you think God can bring refreshment where we're at here in Thompson, Manitoba? We sometimes think, well, like Assyria did. We have a whole bunch of water. Let's make use of it. I mean, like the, the Mississippi River down in the States, it's drying up. That's a massive, massive body of water used for tremendous commerce, and it's drying up. We can't trust the finances will be there tomorrow, but I can trust the living water. Here's some other lessons that we'll learn as we think about water. You know, sometimes the Bible gives us as other illustrations of water. It is a place of great discouragement. Water can be. Right? 2 Samuel 22, 7. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. If you think about this, in the physical life, I mean, it is like, I mean, you can just, have you ever been in a boat? And man, those waves are just a-rockin'. 
you're just, I hope I make it back to shore. I mean, you're just praying, Lord, please get me through these waves. I mean, you're fearful. Have you ever had a time in life and you're thinking, can anything else bad happen? And then whoosh, boom, something else happens. And then another thing, this breaks and this breaks and this breaks and this happens and this happens. And you're just like, ah. Right? It, it uses a metaphor of this idea of waters. I mean, just wave after wave after wave. Job 3.24, for my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like waters. He said, God, I hurt. My body's in pain. My family, I've lost my, my children. They've perished. I've lost all my wealth. My wife hates God. Ha! Ah, what do I do, Lord? What did God do? If you look at the end of Job, you would understand that God would tell Job, God, Job, I'm still God. I'm still in control. You can't get away from the living waters. You need to be refreshed daily. We also see some things about the waters that Proverbs, 18, uh, Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. Have you ever had someone, they just open their mouth and you're like, man, they, they talk too much. Proverbs 18, 4, the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters. And the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brick. Sometimes someone opens their mouth and it's just like, I mean, it's not very good what they're saying. Sometimes they speak a little too much and they say too much. And you're like, how about sometimes you just lock those lips up because you're just letting out water, right? You're just spewing. You know what? Man can let out water. Man can let out a whole bunch of not too good things. Have you ever been mad and said things and you're like, I probably should have kept my mouth shut? That's what he's talking about. You let out water. You let out stuff that's not so good. Jesus lets out. What does he let, what does he let out? Living water. Trials may seem to come at times as incessant waves. You can find that in the Psalms. Deep calleth into deep at the noise of the water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. I mean, David's just like, God, stop the waves. You're at seasons of your life and you're just like, I don't think I can have one. I mean, if one more thing comes bad, I think I'm going to break. I think I'm done. I'm going to go away as a madman. <sighs> I mean, Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters are coming unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. He says in Psalm 69, 14, Deliver me out of the mire, let me not sink, let me be delivered from them that hate me, and out of the deep waters. And he goes on and on and on. With, there's all sorts of things. Jonah and the whale. I mean, can you imagine being in a stinky whale? And you just feel the waves, and you, oh man, he just surfaced again. Oh, he just threw up again. Oh, this happened. Oh, I need a shower. But, I mean, all of that, it's just... God gives us all these metaphors in the scripture to say, hey, water is powerful. Water, as much as we want to keep water out of our house, as much as we want to keep water out of our floating boat, you know, a boat, and we hope it has no water in it. I mean, we do all we can to keep our floating vessel on top of the water rather than going into the water. I don't want, you know, you have bilge pumps and all sorts of things. But I don't want water in my boat. 
But those waves are coming. I just read a book called Endurance about Ernest Shackleton down in the early 1900s down in Antarctica. Unbelievable story of endurance by these men. 27 men, 28, something like that. And uh, they would go, I mean, they were just like, I was reading this going, man, could life get any worse for these guys? It's a phenomenal book if you ever want to read it. But uh, anyways, sometimes life is like that. How in the world do I continue on? Go back to the John passage. In him shall be a well of living water. Life has a lot of waves. Life isn't always calm seas. Jesus was asleep in the boat. And the waves were a-rockin'. And he comes up and he says to the waves, peace be still. It doesn't matter if the waters of life are beyond your strength. That's a good place to be. Because you're learning where your strength is. All of us, you know, you could say my strength is as water. There's times of life There's things that happen to you that are completely beyond your control and you're absolutely powerless. It's then when you learn how much and how thirsty you are for the living waters. You want to know something else that we find if we think about water is Psalm 119, 136, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. David would say, God, your people... They're turning from you. Jeremiah would lament this very thing in Jeremiah 9, 15, Lamentations 3, that he wept for his people with waters. I mean, just, have you ever had times in your life and you're just like, that person is going a direction they shouldn't go. Please don't go that way. And you're like, that direction they're going is going to be a disaster. And your heart is broken. And you're hurting. Where did Jeremiah go with the weeping and lamenting of just, I mean, there's times you're like, I'm sick and tired of crying. <laughs> and you cry again. You're just like, oh, I'm just like a big old crybaby. How do you deal with that? What does the water let us know? Once again, where's that living water? You know, something else that would happen in water that the demoniac of Matthew chapter 8 would seek you know, that demoniac and Jesus would send those demons into those swine and they jump over the cliff into the water. They perish in the water. Matthew 17, a demon's desire to take a young boy and cause him to fall into the fire and to fall into the water. Much like sometimes out at the bridge, someone wants to jump into the water because they think life isn't worth living. Noah's worldwide flood. Sometimes water can be a place of death. You think about the tribulation in Revelation chapter 8. In Revelation chapter 8, you're in the tribulation. Look with me here, Revelation 8, verses 10 and 11. I'm talking about a lot of places of different water, different metaphors with this water, but every one of these things of water, we come back to the, the ultimate of the living waters. I've got to get back there. I've got to stay near the water's edge. I've got to stay drinking from the waters that come from the throne of God. 
That's where my strength lies. That's where my thirsty soul is refreshed. That's where I find peace. That's where I can actually do what I ought to do to have the strength. I'm not as water as Reuben. I'm as the strength that God can go forward. I can have the courage and the boldness of Elijah. I can have the courage and the boldness we sang in the song, Dare to be a Daniel. Because I'm getting the refreshment from Almighty God that only He can do because only He created me with the refreshment. Man, I've got like, you know, in your vehicle you might have a reservoir for washer fluid. That's the only thing that is to go in there is washer fluid. If you put anything else in there, it's going to cause some real problems. If you put washer fluid in your coolant, you're going to have some problems. We have a reservoir in our body that, that God has made us. He says, listen, you can't function without me. You can't function properly without me. In Revelation chapter 8, where the one world government, the Antichrist, on the earth, and in Romans 8.10, and the third angel sounded, there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Revelation 16, Revelation 16, 12, again, further and further depleting of the fresh waters of earth in the tribulation judgment, a world that God is judging and trying to bring them to the understanding, listen, this world will never satisfy you. Put your faith in me. Reject the wealth, reject the Antichrist, reject a system and culture that hates me. Why don't you get to the place where you understand the waters of this world are bitter and you need the fresh living waters of the Lord Jesus Christ? The other thing we understand about bad water is a place of false religion. There are poisons that look like crystal spring water. A glass of such poison placed next to a glass of clear water will fool the eye. The two look exactly alike. If I had two glasses of water here, both one was crystal clear and, and pure, one was crystal clear but had poison in it, would you select a glass of water? You said, no thanks, I don't want either of them. Because you have a 50-50 chance. There are many things in life that are deadly and they have the appearance of goodness. And that is why God has given to us the word of God. He says, listen, you might have a 50-50 chance with the world. You might think you have a 50-50 chance with the world. But he says, I'm going to give you a 100% chance if you come to my word and you have guidance on what is the poisonous water. I'm going to tell you what's the poisonous water. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 17. This is a, a strange woman that's called a man unto herself uh, to have a morality. And then verse 17, stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Immorality is pleasant for a period of time. Verse 18. 
but he knoweth not that the dead are there and that our guests are in the depths of hell. And let's look at verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, knoweth nothing, for she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith unto them, stolen waters are sweet. You know what? It's okay. Let's have this little fling. It's going to be pleasurable. Hey, you're thirsty, and you're really needing some refreshment, and, and, and you're looking for a little bit of happiness. I'll tell you, I got it for you. But the Bible says, listen, verse 18, he doesn't know that the dead are there. There's things in life that may appear like, wow, you know what, I've never been so happy before. I've never had so much, to, this is so pleasant. And then as you get a little further, you're like, hey, <laughs> the honeymoon of that little thing is not as sweet as it looked like. The Bible also tells us in Jude 12 about false prophets. It says, these are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Hey, there's some things out there. You look it on YouTube. You look it on social media. You go to these particular churches and they look right, but you don't look at years later the dead fruit. You know what? We as believers ought not to just be going through the motions. It's not just doing your prayers and reading your Bible and going to church. If you're just doing that to do that because that's the good Christian thing to do, you're going to be a dried up fruit. Because you don't know what it's like to have the living waters refreshing you and encouraging you and giving rest to your soul. You don't have the living waters. You know the Egyptian plagues, right? God showed his power over the water. Two tribulation evangelists, they would turn the the waters into blood. Babylon would be defeated. But you want to know something that we also see in the Bible? We've seen a lot of bad things with Bible. I mean, the, 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 one of the, some of the things we find in the Bible uh, with respect to water is it's a place of service. You know what service demands? An attentiveness to instructions. There was a young prophet in 1 Kings 13 who was told, drink no water or eat no bread, but go to Jeroboam and tell him, hey, Jeroboam, you're in idolatry. But you know what Jesus said? Look with you in Matthew chapter 10 as he says in this water, Matthew 10. Water is a thing of service. I mean, as I said, we... We, we, we vacation around water. We vacation on the water. Sometimes some may go on cruises or other things. But the water, you know, if I have the refreshing living waters of Christ in me, you know what I can do with that? Matthew 10, 42. Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall no wise lose his reward. He says, listen, you're ministering to the little kids. John 13, 5, look with me here. Another act of service within involving water. 
I'll hasten in this idea, but just as you find all sorts of principles, water can be disastrous. It can be like waves of death, but also it can be a place where you can serve and be an encouragement and a blessing to others. In John 13, 5, you to recognize and recall to your mind who it is that's doing this. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Here is the God of heaven coming to earth in human form and taking upon him a position of a servant. Service. Here's living water serving. We also find something when Jesus would have his side pierced with a spear, came out blood and water, we saw true love. It's that true love of the living waters that he gives to us today to say, hey, listen, I died so you can live and live eternally. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. You know what? If I'm serving God with the living water that I'm continually thirsting upon, I'm feasting upon, I'm drinking and drinking and drinking, and my soul is satisfied, I can serve, I can water, I can plant the seeds of the gospel, and God brings an increase. Because the fruit of the harvest is not me, it's not my ways, it's not my doings, it's not my ideas of prospering and replenishment, it is the living waters that are producing an eternal crop. Hallelujah. In Proverbs 11.25, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. You can give out and give out and give out and give out and give out some more and give out in service to more to others. But how do you do that? You know, sometimes in the ministry I'm like, Lord, how am I doing this? How do I continue to minister? And sometimes, you know, as a pastor, you're not always the most popular person. Sometimes you're not well-liked. How do you do it? How do you continue to minister? What makes you do what you do? The Bible says you're serving others. And if you're, at the, if you're refreshing yourselves in the living waters, you won't dry up. You can continue to give out to others. Ecclesiastes 11, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. That was Luke 6, 38. God says you give and I'm going to give it to you and give to you and give to you and give to you. You know what God's saying? I want you to stay refreshed in the living waters. Sometimes Pilate would wash his hands in waters. I'm innocent of Jesus. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to wash myself of that whole church thing. I'm done. <laughs> you know, that water will never wash you like the washing of the living waters of Christ. 
Those waters are cleansing. Traditionally, they boil meat in water to clean it. In Hebrews 10.22, look with me here. Hebrews 10.22. You know what? If you work day in and day out, and there in your workplace, I know I do auxiliary at the fire. I'm a volunteer firefighter, and I'm over there, and sometimes the language is a little colorful. And, uh, and, and where you work, I'm sure it's a little bit colorful sometimes, the language and, and the actions of the people and, and the discussions are, are definitely not very uh, uh, edifying. Uh, uh, they're definitely uh, all very self-motivated. Uh, but I want you to look with me here in Hebrews 10.22 where, you know, sometimes I go home and I said, God, I just, I feel dirty. I've been out in the world and I've heard so much garbage. And, and God, I, I'm just, I don't know, I don't know, how do I go on? God, I mean, we live in such a filthy place. Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed. With what? Pure water. Pure water. I'm telling you, that living water is beyond what you can imagine it can do. It's also a place of power. Israel would see God part the the Red Sea. They would see his strength to destroy the Egyptians. And what did that do? Joshua 5.1 And when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. What happens when the living water works in a mighty way in my life and the world sees it? There are times that the world will say listen, I don't want any part of that. And your heart can melt. Jesus Christ, as a living water, will give you what you need for every moment of every day. You know, sometimes, I like the story in 2 Kings 6. I'm going to hasten this on. But in 2 Kings 6, Elisha, there's a man, he's all fearful. He's been borrowing a friend's axe. The axe falls into the water. And so Elijah cuts down a stick, which does float. He throws it in the water, and the axe head floats, and the stick drops. The axe head swims. That defies physics. We still have a God who's in control of the elements of this world. For Elijah, God would make the ditches of water. They would, bear, they would dig a whole bunch of ditches. God would fill it up with water. The enemy would see those ditches as blood, 2 Kings 3, which was deliverance, but at the same time as it was deliverance, it was also life for the Israelites. It is a place of intimacy, much as Moses would have as he fasted from water to get close to the Lord. It's a place of birth for Israel as they would go through the Red Sea. They would see that God birthed the nation. They left Egypt. They're now God's people. In the Israel, the Israel in the wilderness, God birthed the nation in water. A child is birthed when the water breaks. The child is birthed into the life. It's a place of dedication. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, understanding 
that here Jesus, the holy, I mean, just the power of God. And then even in Acts, as they would, you know, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, see here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Here's the... Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8, 36 through 37 and 39. He, the Ethiopian eunuch says, I want to be baptized. Philip says, you got to be saved first. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He said, I believe. He gets saved. He puts his faith in Christ. He goes in the water and he says, I'm all yours, God. When you get baptized, you're saying, God, I'm all yours. You're making a public declaration. I belong to Jesus Christ. It also, in Acts chapter 2, was a precursor, a prerequisite to, to joining the church there. It doesn't wash away sins. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21 tells us this. I want you to look with me before I come to the conclusion. The water is a place of dedication. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a prepare and wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. It is a dedication of surrender to God. It doesn't put away the filth of the flesh. It doesn't put away the sins of my life, but it does answer a good conscience for God because you said, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all yours. It can't make you a Christian. But you're saying, when I get baptized, and you said, I, I want to join the church, and I want to move forward, if you haven't been baptized before, and the tr truth is, you said, God, I'm all in. I'm surrendering it all. I want to stay near those living waters. There's a lot more I could say about this, but for the sake of time, I just wanted to cover some things as we look through the waters of the world. The waves of the world can come over you. The, you can drink the poison of the world, and you can drink the filth. The filth of the world can, can, can muddy you up, but if you come to the living waters, you're clean, you're pure, you can have refreshment, you can be established, you can be stabilized, you can be strengthened, you can be founded, you can be anchored, and you can have what you need for life in the living waters. In conclusion, a lack of water will make you thirsty. A shame for leaving the living waters. When you leave the living waters, you'll have shame. Psalm 63, you'll be thirsty. O Lord, the hope of uh, Jeremiah 17, 13. O Lord. The hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. They that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. But it is in the millennial kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall dwell on high, his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him, his waters, his waters. Look with me, Isaiah 33, 6. I want you to see this. This is absolutely essential. Isaiah 33, 6. 16, excuse me, Isaiah 33, 16. He shall dwell on high, 
His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall what? Shall be sure. Sure. You mean those living waters will never dry up? That's what I mean. You mean those living waters will never shut off? Yeah. You mean those living waters will never be polluted? I remember as a kid, there were times we couldn't go to the lakes because too many Canadian geese landed on the water and they made a mess of the water and you would get swimmer's itch. Right? You couldn't go on the lake because it's polluted because of a whole bunch of Canadian geese. I guess it's time for a Thanksgiving feast or something, right? Clear out some of those geese. But you couldn't go in that water. But God's living waters will never be polluted. Look with me at Isaiah 43, verse 20. Here in the millennial kingdom, as Jesus Christ rules and reigns on the earth in the future, Isaiah 43, verse 20, The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I gave waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. He says, listen, I give drink to my people. There's nothing more that God wants to do than to make sure you're refreshed. Because if you don't have water, in real life, you'll die pretty quickly. If you don't have water in your spiritual life, you'll wither away pretty quickly. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. If you're a believer, I want that water, and I want to keep digging for that water, and I want that living waters to refresh me day in, day out, moment in, moment out. I want to be refreshed. In a final illustration, Jesus saves and keeps us. A man in Ireland was convicted of a sin. It was on the verge of trusting Christ when the devil raised the oft-repeated objection, if you believe, it won't last. What about tomorrow? The worker dealing with him pointed to a water mill nearby. What turns that wheel today? The steam, the man replied. What will turn it tomorrow? The steam. And the days after? The steam. The man was led to see that there was abundant grace to save, to keep, and to meet all one's needs. Hebrews 7.25, look with me here. Two final verses, Hebrews 7, Hebrews 7 and Hebrews 13. I hope you've understood how important it is to have that living water. There's that song, I've been thirsting, <laughs> you know, and uh, satisfied is, I think, I believe the hymn. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God doesn't care where you're at. He cometh to the uttermost. He wants to give that water to every person. Man and woman, young and old, he doesn't care. Verse 13, verse 8. And why do I know this? Why do I know his water is sure, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. That, that river is going to run forever.
you got to get to the water. How do I get to that water? you got to put your faith in the source of that water, Jesus Christ. We have a cross as a, as a symbol. You've got to understand, friend, Jesus is the answer. It's not just the good Sunday school answer. It is the answer for life. If you were to die right now, you said, I think I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, that she, these things are written to you that ye might know that you have eternal life. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you say, well, at one time I prayed a prayer and yeah, that's it. But you didn't mean it in your heart and you didn't, you didn't put your faith. Uh, you know what? When I drink that water, when I drink this water, I'm trusting it's not poisoned. When I drink of the living waters of Jesus Christ, I put my faith in Jesus Christ alone. I'm trusting and putting complete faith that that's going to refresh me. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today is the day of salvation. God will not resist. God is not willing that any perish. Would you call out and ask him to forgive you your sins and be your Savior now? Miss Pat, can I have you come forward for the invitation period, please? This is the period of time we're going to come to for the invitation this morning. Christian, maybe your soul has been thirsting. Maybe you've been empty. Maybe you've been struggling in life and you said, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. God says peace and joy and all I know is a wave. Bam, bam. I'm just getting, I'm getting rock silly. You got to get back to the, you got to get back to the living waters to find your stability. Or maybe you've never taken of the drink of living waters. You've gone through all the motions of religion. You've gone through all the things that they tell you is the good thing to do. That's what good Christians do. So you've gone and done it. But yet you still find, why am I empty? Maybe you've never taken, put your faith in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You've never asked God, forgive me of my sins, a wicked sinner. And I need you to forgive me and be my Savior. If you haven't done that, please do that today. As Miss Pat will play the song, I'd encourage you. And, and maybe you have a question. If you need to settle that question, I'd love to show you from the Bible. My wife can. There's some pamphlets on the back there. They can show you. But please, please don't resist the living water of Jesus Christ. And Christian, if you're dry and you're, and you're just struggling, or maybe you say, I don't even, I, I don't know how to be refreshed in Christ. I'd love to show you. But I want to tell you, that living water, it's sure. It's not going away. It's pure. It's not polluted. Jesus Christ has given us what we need for an abundant life. And when we deviate from that, we begin to feel the waves of death, the waves of the world, the wickedness, the dirtiness. What's it going to be, Christian? And so with heads bowed and eyes closed as you talk to the Lord, I encourage you just to pray. And talk to God however he spoke to your heart. Make any commitments he leads you to do. But may you be refreshed by the living waters of Jesus Christ. be ashamed 
to miss out on the living waters of Jesus Christ. They'd only taste the tainted waters of this world. I trust that you would put faith in Jesus if you've never done so. And Christian, I trust you'd thirst for only that which can satisfy refreshing cool waters of the Good Shepherd. The music will come to a close here shortly. Please settle in your heart. First of all, do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ? And second of all, Christian, are you thirsting for maybe the things of the world? And this morning God said, hey, I want you to thirst for me. I trust you'd follow through and daily meditate on God's word. I'd love to show you how to do that if you do not know how. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to meet. Thank you for the refreshment from your holy, pure word. Father, I pray that we would have what we need for life by staying near those refreshing waters. You're an amazing Savior. Lord, those waters allow me to serve a place of service, a place of commitment, a place of dedication. But Father, would we follow through, stay near that water so we can show the love with which we are refreshed. I sure love you and thank you for all that you've done. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.